This Bud Foster and Madden Mayhem Squares edition of the Sports Gambling Podcast is presented by MyBookie.ag. The UFC is back. Korean baseball is going on. International soccer is back. NASCAR is back. Plus, they have tons of sports sims to bet on. Use the promo code SGP for up to one thousand dollars in bonus bets. That's MyBookie.ag promo code SGP to play, win, and get paid. We're also brought to you by Madden Mayhem, our Madden Simulation Championship game. Is this Sunday night, and we're doing a five hundred dollars squares pool. Go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash squares. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash squares. We're also brought to you by Ace Per Head. Ace is the leader in pay per head providers, and they make it super easy to start your own sportsbook. Plus, Ace is offering up to six weeks free over at aceperhead.com slash SGP. That's aceperhead.com slash SGP. Finally, we're also brought to you by Cushy Dreams. Cushy Dreams is a new company with a full lineup of premium smokable CBD. Now shipping legally to all 50 states. And if you use the promo code SGP, you get 15% off. That's K U S H Y dreams.com, promo code SGP. You're listening to the Sports Gambling Podcast exclusively on SGPN. Let it ride. Welcome everyone to the sports gambling podcast. I'm Sean stacking the money green with my partner of picks, Ryan, real money Kramer. What's happening Kramer. Greetings, Sean. What a fine, fine Tuesday here in the great year of 2020. It was a, uh, no, not, not, not a great day. <laughs> Joining us in studio, Colby Dan, AKA the Danta base. Oh, I thought you were going to call me the lunch pail, uh, third, third, third party here. Well, of course, you're alluding to the interview, which we're going to play here in a second with Bud Foster. Be perfect today. You see Be what perfect. I did right there? Coach is watching. Bud Foster, defensive coordinator for Virginia Tech for over 30 years. Legend. It, it, Kramer lit up in the interview process. Yeah. I mean, if you've listened, heard that, yeah. If you've listened to some of our interviews, uh, specifically, you know, ones that I found less interesting. You might there's a correlation between my amount of talking and how interested I am I am in the guest. So, uh, needless to say, Sean and Colby don't speak too much. <laughs> Kramer just bringing the heat, show uh, like a young recruit trying, like a walk on, trying to make it on Bud Foster's uh, defense at Virginia Tech, doing whatever it takes to get out. Showing on the field. him, I'm willing to start on special teams. <laughs> It was uh, it was a great interview, a lot of fun. We'll get to that. And more importantly, Sean. Yes. Well, I'm saying more importantly, Sean. Then Bud Foster, who? Oh, we got a big announcement. The free cash bonanza keeps on coming. We're talking Madden Mayhem. Of course, you can bet on Madden Mayhem over at Sports or MyBookie.ag promo code SGP. Streaming eight games a night, five o'clock Pacific, seven o'clock. Pacific Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And we're down to the last eight, including the Madden Mayhem Championship game. And we're going to be doing a squares pool. 
for the Madden Mayhem Championship game. That's right, a squares pool. No. Much like a Super Bowl game, because it will be a Super Bowl atmosphere Sunday night when the winner of Madden Mayhem is decided. And that, of course, is 10 o'clock East Sunday, 7 o'clock on the West Coast. We don't know the teams yet, but we're giving away $500 in a squares pool. Just go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash squares. Sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash squares. Of course, all the all the games you want to bet on, you can you can do that over at mybooking.ag. Promo code SGP. Play, win, and get paid. It's pretty simple, the squares competition. All you gotta do, go to like I said, sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash squares, and you follow the instructions. Very clear. We have three different iTunes feeds for or Apple, as Kramer likes to refer to it. Our sports gambling podcast. Sure, you feed. just sound like an old person when you say <laughs> iTunes. The, I, like I, the application iTunes doesn't even exist anymore. Well, what do you say? The Apple Podcast app. Yes. Come on, you call everyone calls it iTunes. I got my i my iPod going. <laughs> three different separate feeds: the sports gambling podcast main feed, the sports Ooh. gambling podcast network feed mm. and the college experience feed. If you want to do, if you've never given a five-star review for each of them, then you have three opportunities to enter first 100 entries received, get a square. So if you want to double dip and you have a, I think you may need two different email addresses, but you can figure it out either way. Take a screenshot of you submitting that five-star review. It usually takes a day or two to go through. Don't worry about that. Just take the screenshot of you submitting it. And uh, there's a very easy way to submit the form. You get it all figured out, and you will be entered into the squares competition. So, and you said it was very easy multiple times. Do you have concerns that people will find a way to <laughs> screw this up? I anytime <laughs> I do some sort of contest, anytime there's some sort of form, there's always a lot of questions. I become tech support. Just figure it out, and I'm very confident. <laughs> if you can figure out how to bet on Madden Mayhem, which yes. If you're listening to this podcast, you most certainly have already figured it out. You can figure out how to submit this five-star review and get in the square as if there's not enough gambling opportunity. Future bets will be on the line. You got first half bets, odd, even, and all of it again, just take a step back and realize how awesome it is to be betting on football. Sure. It's simulated. Sure. It's just, we're watching the computer play itself, but you're getting drunk. You're betting on games. And it's My way better being scratched. And it's way better than table tennis uh, or whatever other weird thing yeah. you've been spending your time. Marbles. Come on. Well, it, mar- marbles is cool. Mar- marbles <laughs> is actually pretty cool. I, I, I watched I watched one marble race. Not moving my needle. I'll be honest. And we're gonna get to this later, Sean. <laughs> it's gonna be weird when we're sponsored by Marble Racing in two weeks, and I'm doing the hard <laughs> sell for Marble Racing. Yeah, shout out to the Marbu- Marbula One guy on YouTube. <laughs> crushes it. High production value. Uh, well, we're doing a Super Bowl pool. We should tease to later in the show when I think we should each give out a refreshed. Super Bowl prediction because we do have updated futures. Yes, and what we're going to be giving out our Madden Mayhem picks for the Elite Eight, and uh, doing a little uh, doing a little pick action there, like Kramer said, picking our AFC and NFC championship uh, winners because it's gotten we have like a a weird wonky kind of collection of teams, and it's truly it's truly mayhem. And of course, we're the inventors of Madden Mayhem. <laughs> If you've been on Twitter at Gambling Podcast, you see we've we've had to force um, another get your fucking shine box. A nameless anonymous sim company. Uh, we've 
they've been plagiarizing our name. Here, here's the thing, which is really annoying. Uh, why we're on a third party SIM company that's n- completely nameless? I, I don't understand that. MyBookie.ag, if we're not calling the games or simming the games, they're actually doing it. it it's it raises a couple of red flags of why a sportsbook would hire this other company that won't announce their name or put their face to anything. And then this clown comes at us with like wrestling gifts. Uh, it's the same co- reason you use shell corporations. Exactly. <laughs> we don't need to dive you just too want- deep into it, but just, pr- you know, primetime action on Twitter. Uh, screw those guys. And uh, yeah, screw them. All right, let's get to it. But before we bring on bud foster, Give a little shout out to Ace per head. Oh, I thought we were shouting out the new DJ. Who's the new DJ? I, I don't know. It's, we're using old music, but the the new DJ. I, I like to mix it up. I have some new music, some old music, Ryan. You know what never okay. goes old? I'm feeling the new the new music today, though. Sean. Okay. Well, you're gonna hear it okay. later on in the program. Stay tuned, Kramer. You know what never goes out of style? Taking sports bets. That's right. You can become your own sports bookie. All you got to do is go to aceperhead.com slash SGP aceperhead.com slash SGP. They'll help you get started in your start running your own sports book. And you don't have to be some sort of tech whiz like Kramer over here. It, it's pretty simple. All you got to do is go to their site. They'll get you going with a professional betting website. They got top notch customer support. Some of the sharpest lines in the industry. Uh, you know, they're ace per head. Great on mobile in game wagering. They got it all. Imagine starting your sports book. Now sign up, sign up your friends, family, get them going on UFC, NASCAR, MLB, right around the corner, Korean baseball, Bugali league, or however you pronounce it. <laughs> Bugandis league. I'm not going to learn how Bundesliga. to Bugali, Bundesliga. Isn't I, I you, thought you were trying to say like yeah. the Indian Fugazi. I don't, I didn't know what you were going Bugali, for. Isn't that the meat you get with the uh, Korean barbecue? <laughs> that's, that's I know, uh, I know okay. I'm not right. Well, <laughs> and, and Colby, I don't know. Yeah, stay tuned for the interview. I don't know if you want to be the one uh, making uh, fun of me. For there you go. How to pronounce <laughs> things. See if you can find that nugget. But of course, make sure you go to aceperhead.com slash SGP. Aceperhead.com slash SGP. Joining us on the line, legendary defensive coordinator for the Virginia Tech Hokies, Bud Foster. But uh, how you taking to retirement so far? I'm enjoying it. You know, this uh, unfortunately with this pandemic, uh, you know, it's kind of put it in uh, in in process a little earlier, maybe than I wanted to. They had me. I'm, I'm an assistant to the athletic director, and I was involved in doing some things uh, with the university and whatnot. Then uh, obviously this thing came on, and uh, so I've been able to transition uh, to that next chapter of my life. And I can say this: I've been busy, busy than in. And uh, it's been—I haven't missed it at all, to be honest with you. But uh, uh, it, I've, I've, I've transitioned well, and uh, uh, but still looking forward to uh, uh, this next chapter as we move forward. Let me say this: I just hope you and your families have all uh, have uh, fared well during all this craziness. It's just unprecedented times, and you know my thoughts and prayers go out to everybody that's. Uh, that's out there. So, but uh, appreciate y'all having me on the air. No, and, and appreciate you calling in. Uh, we're we're fortunate to be all all doing well here and and uh, staying safe, staying sane. Um, you know, I think uh, as far as your retirement, you are still still involved in the program. Have you have has your mind kind of moved forward in the fact that 
assuming college football plays as scheduled, that first game where you're going to be sitting on the sidelines, not being able to yell out, you know, calls for the defense, not being able to yell out changes, not being able to like grab some guy by the face mask and really kind of <laughs> chew him out. Are you, you gotta, you're going to be missing the juice a little bit, right? You know, I will. And I think because we didn't have spring practice around here, uh, we usually start spring ball after spring break. And that's kind of when everything hit around here. So I didn't get a chance to see that. So really uh, getting a taste of that and really missing it. uh, You know, I missed that, but I do know this. Um, I'm going to be investing for the next few years because I was really involved with recruiting the majority of the defensive kids. We've got a young group still here at Virginia Tech, and and I'll be involved in in their life one form or fashion, you know. And uh, and I know this on Saturdays, I'll still be invested with them emotionally. It'll yeah. be it'll be interesting. My my coach Beamer took myself and my wife out for dinner uh, along with our, our former D line coach Charlie Wiles, and uh, my wife did ask coach. Beamer that same question like are you able to separate yourself emotionally from the game he said for the first couple of years it was hard these last couple because he's his group of guys had left but uh, for me being involved with coach Fuente's transition into tech and then being heavily involved in recruiting you know all the defensive kids I'll still be emotionally tied in and that'll be hard but uh, yeah it's gonna be interesting to see how I handle uh, the game situations when they, when they come back into play. Yeah. Well, I can tell you speaking from experience, it's now been almost 15 years since I've retired from being on the campus of Virginia tech. Uh, the emotions still, still range high. And, and these guys can speak to it every year. Uh, I, 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 I buy in and I'm, I'm super stoked on the team. And then, you know, obviously I want to bring it back to the, the golden years, because when I was there, that's very much when we were, it, it felt like the, in a way, the peak for Virginia tech football. And I wanted to, I wanted to bring you back to that time. And I wanted to, to, to kind of zoom in my last game on campus was the, the game against Miami. When De, uh, D'Angelo hall stripped Roscoe parish, took it to the house. We rushed oh, the yeah. field and that to me, that's the most memorable game. I, 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 I can, I, I have from my time there. I wanted to ask you if you had to pick one game to say that <laughs> that was the game, would it be from that era? You know, uh, it would be the, the two thousands, obviously we played for the national championship in 1999, but from 2000 to really 2010, 2011, we went through a stretch there, particularly the mid two thousands and particularly defensively, we were as good as anybody in football and probably as good statistically as anybody in the history of football. You know, we had uh, in 2006 and 2007, we were number one in the country back to back. Uh, we gave up like 10 points a game and 211 yards a game. You know, I know it's a little bit different era with, you know, the fast tempos and things of that nature, but we really had some really dynamic football players on our side of the ball. And, you know, you go back to the camp chancellors, the Brandon flowers, uh, the Vince hall, Xavier DB, who were, you know, first team, all American linebackers and Butkus finalists and, and then we had a, a great defensive line that was probably, you know, we were known more for our DBs and back end, but we were really consistently good up front. That's where it always starts. But uh, that was a great era of Virginia Tech football, and particularly defensively. We just had a, every time we stepped on the field, I had a lot of confidence knowing that these guys would go out and execute and perform. And, and not so much for me, but they, they, were, they weren't going to let their brother down. And that's when you get that 
that peer pressure and that dynamic going when guys really give them the, of themselves to their brother, that really was a, you knew that that's what they were going to do every day. And that was a comforting feeling from a coaching standpoint, that you were going to get their best play and their best effort every time they stepped on the field. And, and I'm glad you brought up Xavier DB because one of the greatest what ifs in my fandom of Virginia tech is what if Xavier DB does not tear that bicep and continues to shut down Reggie Bush and the what 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 would have been a team playing for the national championship USC Trojans, uh, I mean, t- I guess take me back to those guys like Xavier DB, Vince Hall. I feel like like as a fan that was that you talked about reliability. I felt like every game in game out you could trust those guys on the field against USC. Did you have a sense of how good Reggie Bush was in that moment since it was so early well, in his career? We did. Well, that was, you know, they were coming off a great year, uh, you know, and obviously uh, had Matt Leinert and, and, uh, you know, those guys coming back, but Xavier, he was a redshirt freshman. So he was playing the first time. And I started a guy in front of him, um, Donnie Warren's son, actually Donnie played several years in the NFL with the, with the Redskins was a tight end H back guy. But uh, Blake was his, his son who was a good football player for us. They just had another gear in his, his speed. And, and uh, I ended up, uh, and so I was going to insert Xavier in there real early and needed to with the, the speed. And I remember they tried to run a wheel route one time with Reggie and, uh, you know, Zay covered him man to man and we, we forced a sack. And then they, they hit the same play. Zay tore his bicep a little later in the game, making a play. And uh, uh, we were, it was nip tuck ball game. They ended up beating us. It was a close, really close, hard fought football game up at FedEx field. But, uh, that was the difference in my opinion was, uh, taking Zay out of there. He was a guy that could had the speed and elite player was very physical. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, that was one of the great games, but that was a year 2004. Uh, we really didn't know what we were going to be like. We ended up going into the ACC that year. We had those guys you talking Vince and Zay, uh, were red shirt freshmen, uh, who went on to be four year starters for us. But later on that year, we won the ACC and beat Miami down at Miami in the orange bowl, you know, and it became, it came down to us and them that first year in 2004. And we beat them down there 16 to 10 with just a, a great defensive performance. But those guys were two of the great football players in my era. They really complimented each other very well. Zay had speed and, and great athleticism. And he went on to play, you know, five years in the NFL. And then Vince Hall might've been maybe my best football player ever. Just very instinctive, uh, you know, a coach on the field, uh, very played great anticipating football as opposed to reactive football. And just was a dynamic football player. And those guys complement each other very, very well. Or, you know, we're playmakers for us for four years in a row. And and you guys always seem to have a, you know, I feel like those Miami teams were loaded, but you guys were kind of a thorn in the side of those Miami teams. But one of my favorite wins also was at Columbus. I know that wasn't traditional. I don't think that was in the early two thousands. That was like four or five years ago. It was a bit later. Um, but that ruined their national title hopes. Or no, they, they still made the playoffs. I think. But that well, th- they won it that year. But that was a big win for us, you know. And and I was hoping that the only bad part about that year. Um, we did not capitalize on that game like we needed to, you know, and that was, uh, that was the only drawback of that year. I think that season we might've, you know, we might've went seven and five, that type of thing, but really, you know, we defensively were, we were pretty good. We struggled offensively that year, but, uh, that was a great win to go up in the horseshoe and the way we played and, and, uh, you know, you, you, you have moments, 
where when you're calling plays, whether it's offensively or defensively, you know, you're kind of rolling sevens. And that was one of those, we kind of, we put all, all of our eggs in one basket, so to speak, with this particular scheme. Um, oh, they had, um, uh, the bear kid came, not, came in and, uh, you know, if for, um, oh, I can have a brain uh, lock here. They had their big time quarterback. Uh, uh, t- oh, was, was that, getting... that was not Terrell Pryor. That was afterwards. It was, uh, uh, not, it wasn't Cardell Jones. Cause Cardell Jones was it, it might no, have been Terrell Pryor, right? No, it was uh, their athletic guy. Oh, Braxton Miller. Braxton Miller. Braxton Miller. Thank yeah. you. I had a brain lock right there. But, uh, you know, we, we designed this scheme to really get the ball out of the perimeter and, you know, and, and really wanted to keep the quarterback in a phone booth. You know, they were into the power read stuff and really, you know, they wanted to spread you out. But uh, it was really a run offense mentality. And, and we wanted to keep it in a phone booth and really kind of take it off the perimeter. And even though we were going to keep it in his hands, we felt like we could keep him in a phone booth. And that's kind of what we did with that game plan. And then, uh, and, you know, it was a, a good win for us. Uh, it didn't, you know, they rebounded. They had a really talented football team. Um, and, you know, ended up going on and, and winning the national championship that year. But, uh, you know, we had a lot of those games over the course of, of the, my career at Virginia tech. We lost some games in bowl games that I felt like if we'd have won those games, that would have catapulted us to the next level. You know, we lost to an Auburn team when you on 2004, we would have lost to Auburn in the third bowl, 16 to 13, which, you know, they had a, a bunch of really good players and, you know, and we would be, you know, lost to Georgia in a, in a close ball game in the Chick-fil-A bowl, Kansas, when they uh, were really, really good, we lost to them 24, 21 in the, in the orange bowl. And, uh, you know, we, we played really good defense in both of those games. We turned it over and then, but those are the games we felt like needed to catapult us to that next step, you know, being, you know, a top five, top, uh, elite team that they're talking about national championships, you know, for the next season. And, and, and those were games that we needed to kind of, in my opinion, you know, we, we needed to win a few of those games, you know, so, but, uh, we had some great wins and, and, took the program to heights had never been and seen before. And, and I think they're getting ready to get back to that level of play again under, in, under coach Fuente. You know, I, I really like the group that they've recruited and, and the young kids they have, particularly on defense, they have some athletes on offense, particularly quarterback. And, you know, that's where it starts. And in our time, you were talking, obviously we had the, 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 uh, Tyrod uh, Taylor, the Mike Vicks, um, Brian Randall stretched through there that, you know, that obviously when you have that trigger, man, that helps you yeah. uh, put you in position to win a lot of football games. And and you touched on one of the, the, the proud things that I wear on my cap as a, as a Hokie is the fact that we, we schedule hard. We always have that degree of difficulty ratcheted up when you're opening the season against an Ohio state and against an Alabama against the USC. And you've had the privilege both with those games and within your own conference to face some of the most complex, difficult, and different offenses out there, whether it be the the triple option, the pro style with the with studs all over the field at Miami, Rich Rod speed option. Um, which style of offense kept you up at night the longest? You know, <laughs> they all had their own ways of and, and being you know, demonic to me to a degree, <laughs> but I tell you what, the guy that uh, was, uh, you know, we had some great battles, 
and that probably gave me the most upset stomach was Paul Johnson when he was at Georgia Tech. And, uh, you know, Paul had seen it, so many different schemes thrown at him with, you know, with that offense. And it's really pretty simple. But as we, we kind of really played them very well. I think we played them 10 years and we were seven and three against them. And we were, they were always close games, but, um, you know, it was just, it was a chess match. And every year, he schemed a new blocking scheme or a new way to do things. And it just made us always work to make adjustments. And I always felt like maybe that was the one thing that we did as well as anybody throughout that stretch in my time. We had just a, we had a good staff, but we were able to make uh, adjustments during the course of the game. Our kids did a great job of working the game, um, you know, to do those kind of things because you're always, that's kind of where you're in your check and, you know, and is, is, making those adjustments and hopefully you have experience enough that those kids can go ahead and do that. You know, some guys are learning with reps guys and we were fortunate enough to have a lot of guys with a good football IQ that were able to make adjustments. But I, I would say Paul was probably the guy at Georgia tech when he was, when they were in their heyday, they really had some really good players, particularly guys at quarterbacks. They were, they were, they, they gave me a, you know, it was a four hour stomach ache. I can tell you that it, worst week of the year is Georgia tech week. Cause you know, some guys well, are going to get hurt and you know, they're going to just, oh, it's, I hated it too, coach. I'm with you. You know, that's just such a, you know, you can, you can, as far as defending the option, I mean, everybody can do that. It's the hard part about that offense and some offenses as a scout as is getting your scout team to simulate the speed and the tempo. And, and even with these, you know, the, the up-tempo, you know, widespread, you know, open, you know, air raid offense, whatever you want to call it, getting your scout team to simulate the plays and simulate the tempo and the accuracy of the passing game or the blocking schemes and those kind of things. That's the hard part. That's the challenge. And that's, that's kind of what was the hardest part with, that offense was, was simulating the speed and that, and, and the cut blocking. We obviously didn't want to do that in practice to risk injury, but you also had to do some things to, to prepare yourself and prepare your kids for that. And one of my, not to just make this all about a Georgia tech, Virginia tech podcast, but one of my favorite things that not just with Georgia tech, the brand of, of cornerback play was very physical. It was very much a, a little ahead of its time, even in the, in the tackling that's asked of the cornerbacks of Virginia tech. My favorite game plan ever against Georgia tech is when you put Kyle Fuller on the line of scrimmage and he just destroyed, created the massive havoc. And I, I say all of that to say, I think one of the cool things that we're seeing now in the NFL, we're seeing a lot of these like big three safety stack type lines that to me, I don't want to give you all the credit here, coach, but it feels a lot like the Rover whip situation that you've been rolling out in Blacksburg since the late nineties. Well, yeah. And, I, and that's the one thing I always felt like we were able to do is as we've always adjusted to, I think the style of offense that was coming around. Now, obviously you throw Georgia tech out. Now that was a different animal, but you know, as the games has evolved, I think the one thing that we've been able to do is we were able to attract and recruit kids that could really run. So we've been in a, you know, we've been in a nickel kind of defense for a long, long time, you know, meaning like a four, two, five type concept and, and having our whip linebacker or our Rover or, you know, our, besides having two corners that were, and that's kind of what we, you know, I'll battle anybody with DBU. You know, we, we kind of throw that around. I know Florida and I think LSU and us kind of claim that maybe Ohio state even too, but uh, as far as the number of guys drafted and played in the league and that type of thing, but 
you know, we went through a stretch where all five of our guys could cover and, and could all, and also needed to tackle because we were going to spill the ball. They were going to be our free hitters. So those guys need to be extremely versatile. And I do think that's what the NFL liked about our guys is they were, they could cover, they could run. Uh, they had a good football IQ. They knew how to work. They knew how to be team first football players. Uh, but then they were very physical and, and that's a big, big part of, you know, playing at that next level. And, uh, you know, they were just the complete football player, the complete, the complete team player. And, and I think that's why the NFL liked our guys is they had that lunch pail mentality, but also, uh, you know, they, they, they knew how to work and compete and, 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 and go to work every day and be a team player. And I think that was a big part of our success with that back end. And, and those guys really, uh, cherished that, that mentality of that DBU mantra, so to speak. And, and, uh, you know, it's carried on a great tradition for us. I think another area where the NFL certainly liked the Virginia tech defensive player is because they were often featured on special teams. I got to ask you, I know you coached the special teams uh, down there in Blacksburg a little bit. Who's who was the originator of the starters are going to play on special teams for us? Because to me, you know that, that was the greatest edge that we had. We were, we were way ahead of, I mean, I know like this is the legendary stories of other coaches coming to Blacksburg to learn how to do special teams. But really to me, it was all about getting the best players on the field, gaining that edge. Where, where did that come from? You know, that was driven by coach Beamer, you know, and when I was a young coach, he gave me the responsibility of being the special teams coordinator, but he was also a guy when I played, I played a couple of years for him at Murray state. He was my defensive coordinator and, and Mike Godfrey was our head football coach at the time. And Ron Zook was my position coach. That was a, I had a, we had a pretty good, I was, I was wow, a pretty good. That's crazy. Yeah. And, and, uh, but, um, coach came in and he really was, he was ahead of his time defensively, you know, as well from a blitz mentality, but then he was also ahead of the game, uh, from a special team standpoint. And, um, you know, when, and obviously when we came to Virginia tech, we weren't as deep. We were, we were hit with several years of probation, uh, from the, uh, from the previous staff and really to compete at the level we needed to compete at, you know, we needed to put our starters on those. We couldn't get, we couldn't, we didn't have enough quality depth to play those guys. And it just, it, that's just really kind of where it started. And we really felt like, you know, the, the special teams, you're talking about such a big, field distribution, you know, change of, of, of field uh, strength as far as where the ball, you know, the offense is going to take over defense where you can pin people back, whatever, whatnot, you know, the return game, blocking kicks, that type of thing. You know, coach was a big, big part of that and making sure that we were going to, that we had to win that phase of the game. We were going to win offense, defense, but particularly we were going to win. He felt like if we could win defensively and win on special teams and then play opportunistic offense that we would, we could, we have a chance to win every game right there. And, uh, you know, and that led, we led the country for years and block kicks and, and, you know, uh, punts and, and, and field goals and, and that type of thing. And that was, those were game changers for us. And we're a big part of, you know, our success at Virginia tech and with what created Beamer ball at, at Virginia tech. Now you mentioned uh lunch pail there, and I don't know if everyone realizes, but you guys actually have a tradition of uh, having the lunch pail on the sideline. It's kind of worked into your your prep for the week. Uh, what was the genesis of that tradition, and and is it going to keep uh, and is it going to keep going on even after you yeah, retired? You know, 
Thank you. The uh, the lunch pail. That's I started that when I became the coordinator in '95, and we just wanted a symbol that what was going to separate Virginia Tech from who we were from our opponents, you know. And really, what the lunch? Obviously, everybody understands the lunch pail is about hard work, but really, it's a lot. It's about that commitment, the accountability, the loyalty, the trust. Uh, you know, the responsibility to do it every day, to be have the discipline to come to work and, and out-prepare your opponent every day. And it just not was our players. It was our staff the same way. But we gave our players, we we uh, evaluate our players every day. And we've kind of over the years given it to, like during spring practice or fall camp, we would give it to the player of the day. And then we really, our player of the game really was responsible for the lunch pail, but then with the lunch pail inside of it, we, we put mission statements, we put goals, we've done different things over the years, you know, Clemson and Florida state, they're known for their turf games. Every game for, for us, for when we were in the ACC up until here recently, we were the winningest team on the road. And, uh, that was, we felt like every game was a turf game. So after every game we, that we won on the road, we would take a piece of sod and put it in the lunch pail, you know, so that's a, that's really, you know, our player of the game, they were responsible for taking it to practice. Uh, if we were on the road, they were responsible for taking it on the road, you know, had that type of thing. But that, if you were the keeper of the pail, you were kind of the, that was, you know, one of the most honorable things you could have at Virginia tech at the time, you know? And, um, so it just became, it became a brand force more, more than it was as much as it was a symbol, you know, and, uh, and, you know, everybody across the country, anytime we were on TV, they show the lunch pail or they want to know who was carrying the pail, who was going to bring it out as we ran through the tunnel, that type of thing. But it was a great, uh, symbol for us, uh, a great, um, you know, something to, you know, you, you know, putting their goals in there and signing off on a mission statement, you could hold guys accountable for their work ethic and that type of thing and their commitment and, and, and then having the discipline to do that. So it was, it was, it, it ended up being a big time brand for us, but a great symbol of who we were and, and why we had our success. Well, I'm glad to now, see. Oh, what's that? Yeah, to go back to it though, you know, we're basically they're kind of retiring that with me. You know, it's all said and done now. You know, Coach Fuente's been a guy that's really um, has, has understood the tradition at Virginia Tech. He is uh, he's kept twenty five. Coach Beamer was number twenty five when he played at Virginia Tech, and they honor a player every week to wear number twenty five. Usually, it's somebody that's involved in special teams, and they're they've kind of honored the lunch pail with a hard hat mentality right now is kind of what their new approach is. And, you know, kind of letting the lunch pail, uh, you know, it's going to be there always will be a part of Virginia tech, but you're going to see it more in the trophy case. And you're going to see it on the sideline, which I'm fine with that. I, I, I get all that. And, and, uh, but the lunch pail will always be a part of Virginia tech and Virginia tech's, uh, uh, you know, success. New defensive coordinator coming in is Justin Hamilton. You you not only coach Justin Hamilton, but you, uh, you I mean you've also been on the sidelines with Justin. How do you think he will fare? And are you excited to see him uh, you know take off as as defensive coordinator? Yeah, I feel real good about Justin. You know he he was an outstanding player for us. He played. He came in as a highly recruited running back, but he played behind Kevin Jones and Lee Suggs. And, you know, Kevin went on to be a first round draft pick. And he was, Justin again, was the ultimate team guy. He played running back. He played like slot receiver force. Then his senior year, I got him to come over and play defense for me during, you know, during, uh, we do our early morning workouts and stuff like that in the winter. And he was a guy that was a big kid. 
that had really good feet that could transition well out of what defensive backs need to do. And, and uh, you know, I felt like he'd be a great fit for us. And he ended up having a great year. He got drafted, played a couple of years in the NFL, then got into coaching. And uh, I really, you know, when, when I made my announcement and, you know, Coach Fu said, hey, let's, once you think, you know, we don't, obviously don't have to do anything now, but keep in mind who you may want, you know, could, could come in here and, and do this and be a guy that could, you know, uh, you know, run our defense and whatnot. And after a while I said, Hey, I went down to food. I said, you know, we've got the guys right underneath our nose. You know, I think Justin's, he understands the, tradi- the tradition of Virginia tech under- understands the, you know, the, the, the history of, of the defense and he loves this program. He was, he was probably one of the most unselfish team first guys we've ever had. I think he's, you know, he's got a tremendous football IQ and, a, and he's, he's a great communicator, great motivator. I think he was just, a, I think he's a great hire, you know, and I recommended him to, you know, the foo. We had Jerry kill. If you guys remember Jerry kill, Jerry was at Minnesota and Northern Illinois, right? And yeah. And was did a great job at Northern. He's one of the, and to me, one of the great football coaches. I think he's a, he is just a football guy. Jerry came and was a consultant with us. And I told him, I said the same thing to him. I said, just watch this guy. And you think if I'm, you know, feel you feel the same way I do. And, and he did. That's kind of when I went in and talked to Foo about, about Justin. And, you know, it was right after the season that, uh, after our Virginia game that you know, he, uh, he called me and said he was going to uh, name Justin, the, the coordinator, which really excited me for the program and really excited me for Justin. But I think he's going to, I think the defense is going to be in great hands, you know, under his direction. Now you're you're at Virginia Tech or still are in, in in a different capacity for over 30 years. Pretty unique to kind of see that loyalty to a, to a program certainly in college football right now. How close did you ever come to either taking a job in the pros, taking a job as a as a head coach in college? Uh, did you just hate offense and and couldn't imagine yourself coaching <laughs> offense as well? How close did you Come to leaving that role as defensive coach. Don't say it was Clemson. <laughs> no, you know what? I will say this. You know, I was a finalist for a couple jobs. I, I wanted a Power Five job as a head coach. You know, I was a finalist for a couple jobs. Um, I was very selective. Uh, I, you know, I had some opportunities to go to some, you know, Conference USA or MAC or even one double A jobs, but that was in the prime of Virginia tech. And, and we were playing on Thursday, but it seemed like we were Thursday's darling for ESPN, but we were playing on new year's day bowl games. And those, you know, would be new year's six now, but you know, we were playing in those games on a regular basis. And, uh, you know, I just didn't, I felt like I wanted to compete at the highest level. My, the, the jobs that I really looked into, um, you know, was, and had a really good shot at was Virginia. They hired Al Groh and then was Clemson. It was down to me and Dabo, you know, and they, they hired, hired Dabo. I had plenty of opportunities to go as a coordinator. You know, Kevin Sumlin offered me a job a couple of times. Steve Sprayer offered me a job a couple of times. Mark Rick offered me a job a couple of times. And, and probably the closest I came maybe was with uh, Kevin uh, at, you know, the second time around at, uh, you know, at Texas A&M, but he was just an intriguing guy to what he was doing offensively. And I know the history of Texas A&M as well. And, 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 you know, with their, their defense over the years. And, and it was just, uh, you know, that was probably the one that uh, I was most intrigued with when it was all said and done. Well, speaking uh, for all the alumni, we appreciate you staying all these years because I, I will say as a fan of a, 
of a college football team that has never seen the highest level of success in the form of a national championship. It was always cool to just be able to rely on the same system year in year out. It was a formula that works. It was a formula you could trust. And I, I gotta be honest. Like I, we, us, me, the, 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 the my friends uh, I went to college with, we all had kind of convinced ourselves that you just liked Blacksburg, Virginia too much. You didn't want to leave. You didn't what was it about Blacksburg or was it purely just, you, you never, you never saw the right fit anywhere else. Well, I, you know, that's a good question. I think this, I think uh, there was a combination of things. Number one, I was working for the best guy in the business. You know, you mentioned we played for a national championship. We did, we got beat by Chris Winky and, and Peter Warwick and that crew at, at Florida state when we were in the old big East. But uh, if we'd have won the uh, won a national championship, just because of who Frank Beamer is and the kind of person he is, how well he's thought of in the profession, that would have catapulted Virginia tech to another level, as well as Frank Beamer. You know, he was just inducted in the college football hall of fame uh, two years ago, 2018. Um, he was a big part of why I stayed at Virginia tech. You know, he, he took care of me financially. I had a five-year rollover contract, you know, that was as good as any head football coach's contract. That was a big part of me staying. I mean, I wasn't the highest paid guy, but I probably had the best contract in the business. Um, and coach was always looking out for his assistance. You know, that's the one thing he made. We had a lot of guys that stayed for a number of years, you know, at Virginia tech. And, and then I will say this Blacksburg is a, as you know, is a great college town football is King. Um, and they rebel football coaches for whatever reason, but I was, you know, I was fortunate. I raised a family here. Uh, we rooted ourselves in and, you know, and I'm a guy that, uh, I like my life outside of football too. And quality of life for me is, was important. And, uh, we were, like you said, I, we were winning at the highest level. We were competing at the highest level. We were a top 10 football program for about 20 straight years. And, you know, we were in a position to, you know, we were playing at the highest level, but also had a good quality of life. And that to me was important. I didn't feel like if I felt like, and I got into this business, if I didn't, if I was going to be a nomad, I didn't think, I don't know if I would be able to laugh like some guys do, you know, and I was just very fortunate and blessed to work for a great guy. And then uh, had a great quality of life outside of football. And that, that, that combination, you know, the grass wasn't always greener on the other side, I guess was what I'm saying. So that made it, that made it pretty special here. Well, you, you talk about a special place, Blacksburg, Virginia. I'm, I'm really jealous when I, I, I looked this up about you that the, you actually have a drink named after you, the bud foster. You can get it at the Hyatt place in Blacksburg. How many, <laughs> how many uh, drinks do you have to order before they name one after you? <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't know. I, uh, I should, I, I, I don't know if I can say it. I mean, I'm such a fan <laughs> of Tito's. I've had people say that uh, I should be somehow get, you know, get some royalties from those guys. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, that's some of the things that I've been able to do. Obviously I've been, I've done some commercials around the area. Uh, the, the people at the Hyatt place there, um, they have, they've done several things within the community and some businesses. And I've been a part of, you know, doing some things for them as a spokesperson. And, and so it's kind of neat. One of the bartenders there that, uh, kind of created this concoction for me. And, and that's, I said, what are you going to name? So let's name it the Bud Foster. So now <laughs> it's, it's become 
become a popular drink. So, you know, with, with Coach Beamer, they name a street after him. For me, they name a drink. You know? so we'll, we'll I guess that goes to, you know, that's kind of what the defensive guys are kind of like. You kind of think of those guys maybe as rugged, kind of those kind of guys, and maybe that's that's an honorable way to to recognize me with that, that way. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> now, now coach, uh, I know Beamer's in the college football hall of fame. There's never been an assistant coach in the college football hall of fame. He's lobbied for you to get there. I, we all believe that you should be there as the, we, we, we know you as the best defensive coordinator in football the past 30 years. So let's get you in this hall of fame, man. Well, I appreciate that. I, you know, I do think, um, you know, not, and you guys recognizing me and there's so many guys that I looked up to that are deserving as well. And have created, you know, assistance in this game for years, you know, the head coaches probably get, uh, too much of the credit and, and get too much of the, 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 you know, the, the blame, you know, when it's all said and done because the guys that do a lot of the, the, the work are the assistant coaches and, and in particular the coordinators, you know, and, and, uh, you know, they're the guys that stay up late designing the game plan and doing those things and making the calls and living every, I know for me, I lived every play through those guys, every call I made. And that, you know, that, that took its emotional and physical toll on me over time, you know? And, uh, but, uh, uh, I, I think there's, I think assistant coaches deserve to be recognized as the, as, as well as the, as besides the head coaches in this thing. And, and, uh, uh, they, you know, they make as big an impact if not more of an impact on, because they're the, on the day-to-day front, so to speak. And then some of the, the, some of the head coaches, so many of the head coaches are CEOs and that type of thing now. And, and you've got your, you know, your, your frontline guys, so to speak, your, are your assistant coaches and the guys that are career assistant coaches, you know, they make a tremendous impact on the game and make a tremendous impact on, on young people's lives. And I think they deserve to be recognized in, in some form or fashion. Well, uh, awesome. Awesome. Uh, awesome. Catching up with you, bud. And, and appreciate you calling in. Make sure you check out bud foster on Twitter at coach foster VT and uh, enjoy your retirement and your continued work with uh, Virginia tech. Go Hokies. Yeah. Well guys, thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on. It's it's fun to be um, be heard out in, in, in the Cali area in LA. I know uh, I'm excited about the chargers going up to LA cause uh, I'm looking forward to my um, man, Tyrod Taylor. Uh, you know, he's a really a talented football player and, and I hope, I know they signed, they drafted the number one quarterback out of, uh, you know, number one pick out of Oregon. And, and I hope they give Tyrod a shot because he is a dynamic athlete. And then we have Brandon Faison, who's playing corner there for the chargers as well. That's I think this, he had a great year for him last year and this is going to be a breakout year for him. And so I'm excited for those guys to, and, and the LA fans to, to see those guys play in that area. So, uh, um, my shout out to those guys, but thank you guys so much for having me on the air. Well, Appreciate coach, it. when you, when you, when you come out for that game to see Tyrod, you let me know drinks on me. I'll do it. I will. <laughs> I, 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 I'm going to do that. So count on that to be careful what you ask for. <laughs> Tito's on the house. <laughs> Thanks again, uh, coach Foster. And uh, yeah, have a great week. Awesome time talking to a new friend of the program, Bud Foster. Kramer, you know what else is awesome? New, another new friend, Cushy Dreams. That's right, they're a new full lineup of premium smokable CBD. I hit one of their, uh, they do some pre rolls and they, uh, the different types of C- CBD for different types of uh, stuff you're going for. 
I've uh, I hit the peace CBD. Nice, uh, nice little mellow uh, vibe. And then I hit the uh, creative CBD pre-roll. Really enjoyed that shipping legally to all 50 States. And if you don't want to do the vapes, the gummies, you want that kind of old school smoking experience. It it's interesting. Cause it really, it smells like weed. It looks like weed, but it's, it's the CBD experience. Kramer, I know you're dealing Whoa. with some back pain. And, and, you know, I am a Sherpa, you might say for folks getting over to the, the light, seeing the light of CBD, the original medicine, man. And, and it, I think one of the things with CBD that people get thrown off is they cannot separate the idea of being high. And with this stuff, to your point, Sean, there's some muscle memory being tricked there, but man, what a relief I'm dealing with some serious back pain. Sean, I don't know if you see me right now, but I'm moving around. Yeah. Um, um, not what 24 hours ago. I could, I couldn't, I couldn't even walk. Yeah. Sometimes Kramer would be doing the Larry bird where he just lays down on the floor Yeah, and yeah. You know, th- Steve Nash for the younger Steve Nash. There you go. That 47 and- yard field goal, Sean. <laughs> yeah, huh? I know the unders looking great on that. <laughs> and of course, uh, can I, can I say my favorite yeah, sure. part though? A quality pre-roll. Now, one of the things with pre-rolls, if you're not familiar with them is, you know, just like anything else there's low quality stuff. The kind where like you turn it upside down and a bunch of shake falls out. This was a nice, a nice roll. And Sean, I also sampled the, the, uh, the, the flower itself, not pre-roll. I, I took out, you know what I did, Sean? I took out the grinder old school. <laughs> I, ha- I had a bit of a throwback moment and I, and I even filled up the, the water piece. And again, CBD water pipe. I will say this too, for folks who just like that feeling, that little bit of that burn in the throat, it gives you that same thing. And and this, as far as the CBD, I I've often found that taking the CBD without THC isn't as effective, but with this stuff, it was awesome. I I would say like 10 out of, and guess what? Guess what kids, unlike uh, Advil or leave or these, these uh, non-steroidal pain relief medicines. This stuff will not tear up your stomach. Exactly. Don't listen to big pharma, bro. <laughs> and of course, if you go to cushydreams.com, use a promo code SGP, get 15% off K U S H Y dreams.com promo code S G P. Although in the copy, they say, spell it out just in case, but I feel like hashtag DJs only are very familiar with how to spell Kush, but just in case there you go. Cushydreams.com. They know how to spell Kush. They know how to organize the numbers four, two, zero, and six and nine. That's, that's <laughs> you can tell by our Madden Mayhem uh, chats. <laughs> a lot of guys, and a lot of times they have to do four, two, oh, 69, and then like three 69s because someone else already has yeah. four, two, oh, 69 locked down. We, uh, we're coming to the end of Madden Mayhem. It's, it's an emotional time. We got uh, eight games left. Uh, we, you know, and it's been, it's been a pretty exciting tournament. Before we get to that and give out our picks, breaking news mm. on the uh, on the sports wire, courtesy of the New York Post.com. Of course, DeAndre Baker, a Giants cornerback, he's gotten into some trouble. Was accused of an armed robbery. Are the charges dropped yet? The charges have not been dropped yet. And wait, who's the other guy he was with? The Seahawks player, right? Yeah, yeah. Dunbar. Quinn Dunbar. Dunbar. There yeah. you go. And. Uh, it's a perfect, uh, it's a perfect time to bring this up. So his, uh, his attorney is saying that he went over there to the party and he brought his Madden uh, controllers and yep. his Madden console yep. and just sat in another room. Didn't take place in the party. 
and was just hanging out there um, playing Madden. And that, yeah, there was. Although they also said uh, he was wagering on the outcome of the Madden contest. Oh, now wait a second. Yes, exactly. Was he calling it Madden Mayhem? <laughs> and then that, because that's now I'd have a problem. But you know what, Sean? Are you gonna take the word of those felons? Those thugs, those hood rats over the upstanding first round pick out of the great university of Georgia, Deandre Baker. I didn't think so. Don't be reckless here with your reporting, Sean, drop this just like the charges and we can move on with our lives. Now there were accusations <laughs> that he lost $70,000 while gambling Ooh, on and, and was playing dice. Uh, but now he says his attorney says that's not true. Although he did withdraw $1,500 in cash. And uh, so we'll see how this shakes out. But there, wh- what's going to happen is the attorney is trying to get uh, basically proof that he was logged in playing his Madden games while this incident occurred, providing an airtight alibi for wow. uh, DeAndre Baker. And I just want to throw this out to the people. If you're watching Madden Mayhem and you're involved in the Madden Mayhem chat room, you are providing yourself with an alibi. <laughs> so it, again, if you're looking, if you're looking to, uh, if you, if you need to prove your whereabouts, so what did we learn? Uh, keep your cell phone at home <laughs> and watch Madden mayhem to establish an alibi. There yes. you go. Yes. Time and a place ah, that went a different place. I thought you were going to come after him, but yeah, no, I mean, it's, no, I mean it's, by the way, if you've actually read about it, it does, it, it does sound like there's some, uh, there's some extortion going on with, with some of the characters here. Well, and it's pretty funny. And they were talking about it. Uh, forget what podcast I was listening to, but the police report, it was like $60,000 watch missing $60,000 watch missing. And then one guy had a knockoff watch at $600 value. <laughs> so it's gotta be pretty embarrassing. Everyone's like, Oh, didn't you, you lost your Rolex. It's a, no, that's actually uh, it's a, it's that's a, the worst way to be found out, Sean. Exactly. Snatch and change. Really, probably what happened. There was some gambling, an incident. Someone robbed someone. We'll see what we'll see what Baker's involvement is. Kramer. It's not looking great for the first round pick. But no again, one had a problem when Jordan was telling people to fuck off. Good luck collecting. <laughs> no, I think a lot of people did, and that's and including the Russian mafia, um, allegedly. But again, uh, you know, he's he's already he's gonna eat one way or the other. He's gonna I, have I, experience. Let me just redo my joke of he's going to be experienced one way or the other uh, appearing in front of a judge oh. like Joe judge, the head coach. I, I'll tell you that I'd, I'd much rather watch a 10 part documentary of what went on in that household than, than the last oh, dance. Stop it. Okay. Right? Colby, we need <laughs> to take a quick Colby. That documentary was awesome. Garbage. Wow. I, I think you're in the minority Garbage. smear campaign. Well, a <laughs> smear campaign for what? And I tweeted to make him look like God. I tweeted it out. Uh, and I don't know if you clicked on it because it, it kind of, it goes flies in the face of your, of your theory that Jordan should have been called for that offensive foul at the end of, I was talking uh, about it all this morning. Did you watch in that same exact playoff, the, the shove off that Reggie, Reggie Miller, Miller had on Michael Jordan. That was not called at all. Well, and that, my that, point- that was one of the best moments ever for us, for us, Jordan haters that, that cause he did a Jordan play to Jordan. And he didn't get called for it. What I'm saying is that shows that the refs in the 1998 playoffs weren't calling offensive okay. fouls at the end of the game. And that I was guess, my point. I guess here's my problem though, is that Reggie Miller goes vocal, uh, goes to, to the media saying that, Hey, I pushed off him. Right. And then Jordan to this day still says, I don't, I didn't push off Brian Russell. 
Well, and if can you, I say something controversial? Sure, get in there. I, I don't think he pushed him off that much. That was it. That was if I have a kid and they ask me what's an offensive foul, that is the perfect definition <laughs> of an offensive. Did you foul. watch the reverse angle? And did you see Bob Costas, one of the greatest sports broadcasters oh, of all don't time? Don't even start with me on Costas. You don't like? Can't Bob even Costas? say Redskins. Good God! <laughs> oh, hold on, hold on. The biggest Jordan Dick rider ever. No, no, that but would be Ahmad Rashad. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Yeah, I, mean, uh, I don't know him and Costas. It's uh, Ahmad Rashad like only has a career because he was like he was pulling. He was the, a wide receiver in the NFL. He's, he's pulling. What are you talking about. But he only establishes yeah. that height of being a broadcaster because he's inside of Michael Jordan. But at least circle. he's a former athlete. Yeah, Bob Costas is some little snot. Okay. Oh, I mean, <laughs> arguably the greatest baseball. Oh, don't you guys are Costas okay, here we guys? Go. No, no, I'm not even oh. a Costas guy. No, I'm I, not even a Jordan yeah. guy. But he didn't push off there, Colby. What? Get off that horse! Get the fuck out of here right now! That is a push off. That Col- is a, 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 Colby, the definition of a push off. He's my number one player all time. You can't. I, that's a that is an offensive foul you, to the highest degree. You can't both be angry that the league is soft today. And then want a soft call back when the mm. league was hard. Great point, Kramer. Uh, no, you, I can do this. Jordan played by a different set of rules than almost everybody. But regardless of whatever you want to talk about, the the fact that he did what he did, and I'll be the first to tell you, whether it was convenience, whether he got his father killed, whether he was suspended, <laughs> the rest that that I don't mean to laugh at that. Those but, eighteen yeah. months off from the court definitely helped him. But if you just look at going through the run that he went through as a human being and not being tired, like not being tired to the point of not doing it. I think whatever you think of Jordan, the athlete, whatever you think of where he uh, ranks, he's still my number one basketball player in ever. the pantheon. I think that documentary shows you one thing. If you work hard, good shit will happen. And that he and lied think, about the flu. Well, let's get into that. Well, hold on. Cause hold Kobe on. has no but but it seems like Colby is trying to cherry pick these things as to why why Jordan was getting preferential treatment. Uh, well, David Stern j- just David Stern's the worst commissioner ever, and that's that's he just. But it, but built it, this whole but, thing on. But on let's stars. let's break yeah. down. Let's unpack this onion that is your hate of things that are successful. If Jordan is not given preferential, but I still treatment, say Jordan's the best player. And ever. Jordan it's, doesn't. It, it's much more fair. Jordan doesn't rise to the level that he rises to. The game doesn't turn into a global game. And I'm it, okay with it not being a global game because it's gotten worse being global. But that's what I'm talking about. You're the guy who liked Family Guy before it was popular, and now you hate Family Guy because it's popular. So like when the band gets popular. And, no, and, and no, no, I no. think in the case of Jordan, to say this documentary was a little uh, shallow at points is very fair to say it was, it, it was a shit documentary. Come on, man. No, no guys. It was, it was a, it was light years ahead of their time. Let, let, let me explain. Myself. They were doing stuff that, that it took decades to let, have that kind uh, of access behind the scenes. Me, let, and if you want to talk about the reason that Jordan would, however you want to feel about him, the reason Jordan Jordan's greatness is beyond beyond that we'll ever see again. Yeah. Is because he had the foresight to see that, to know that he has control. You know why it helps? You know why this documentary didn't go into the gambling thing too far? Because he he had control. Which is why you should never take the documentary that seriously. Because you know his ego's on the moon. You can already tell that by him lying about the flu game and and everything else. But hold on, look. My main point here is this: look, 
I know he's the best basketball player ever. I argue that all the time. He's better than LeBron, right? It's just he shit on my team year Which after team was year. That? The Knicks, okay, right? Year after year, and then uh, to me, the fatal blow is that I'm sports deprived, and then they got to release a ten part <laughs> series to fucking make me go through the misery yeah. for ten hours again. It was look, so, it, some of it was fun. Real, I watched real, it. Yeah. Real quick to Jordan's greatness, that little trivia that they had in the in the doc. He eliminated twenty Hall of Famers over his course in the playoffs twenty different times. The per, the person the Hall of Famer he eliminated the most, Patrick Ewing, four separate times. <laughs> well, and what's funny is I also grew up a Knicks fan. Yeah. And I would argue, based on my age, and really not like I kind of became of age to start remembering stuff as the Giants won their second of those Super Bowls. Uh, they went into the Ray Hanley days of sucking Belichick. Gone. I remember the Yankees Jeter and the boys hadn't shown up yet. Yeah. So really not only well, it the Rangers, it w- I was a devil's fan. Oh. So they were actually quite Jersey good. Trash. I but know they were good. Though. The Knicks were the team. And I, when I tell people yeah. like the Knicks were the team of the town by a mile, it wasn't even close. Even when the giants were winning super bowls, uh, I don't, but I don't have that hatred. Like I grew up not hating Jordan. I grew up hating Reggie Miller. The pa- like the Pacers were the team I hated. That's weird. Not, though. not the, Bulls. I mean, I hated the Pacers too, but I, I, I ended up gaining. I mean, my thing is this, look, Jordan is anyway, the best gonna, ever Colby. We can't it's have one a of your, lo- a lot of, a lot. <laughs> let's do six hours guys. Let, uh, we, we just can't. got a lot of calls and it made me and, and, and just the way Stern catered to him just was so annoying to me but more than any more than any athlete I've ever recalled in sports and a, a commissioner going out of his way to really butter up uh, a player, but it was the right move. No, he's a piece of shit. Not Jordan, <laughs> but Stern, but, but Jordan probably too. Though. Colby, you would be the only person to say that, that David Stern left the NBA worse off than he found it. No, there's lots true basketball fans out there. No. Yeah. That, all right. So now we're stopping this conversation. Cause that's silly. Let's move what, on to one, Madden Mayhem. one oh. quick note about the flu game. The uh, the league would have folded if David Stern didn't show up. Now, period. Cable television was happening. Oh, it was a perfect it. storm. Stop. The the You're part fired. that really <laughs> that really got to me or just made no sense was he orders a pizza and for, eats the whole thing. Eats the whole pizza. You, that the shot yeah. of his best friend, that character. That, that guy is not yeah. not having a slice of pizza. If you're on the road and you're in a hotel room, there's five dudes in a hotel room. Yeah. Not one other dude. Yeah. Not that like overweight security guard that he's best yeah. friends with supposedly. You're telling me that guy doesn't have one slice. Yeah, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it, man. Uh, I'll tell you why. <laughs> you know the the uh, you with kids. The number one way you can tell they're lying is when there's too much detail. <laughs> <laughs> and when you don't, when you tell then, me a story and then, and then you go out of your way to say, and I ate the whole pizza, pizza by, by <laughs> myself, Why, Red flag. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I say when I eat a lot of pizza, Let's I say. ate way too much pizza. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. You man. know what happens when I order a pizza, eat the whole thing by myself. I ate a lot of pizza, not, <laughs> and I ate the whole thing yeah. No one by had, myself. No yeah. one had the other pizza. It's like, I will say this though. It's probably a good thing. Jordan beat those, uh, those Utah teams. Cause I cannot stand. Uh, What's funny is that <laughs> I cannot stand Carmelo. Yeah, you want to talk yeah. about? Uh, yeah. I mean, if you really go digging, I think possibly weirdly more dirt on Carl Malone than uh, Michael Yes, I think so. I think definitely so. Depending on what yeah. your definition of dirt is, I mean, yeah, what Carl- kind of dirty deeds did he did he do to be accepted are, are you, in Utah? Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> you look. I mean, you want to talk about the reason that Jordan kept his kids at home? That was a hostile. Yeah. That like that felt like there was about to be some shit going down, like well, the Chappelle joke, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nine one one. Yeah, I mean, look up uh, Carl Malone. Uh, I don't know the entire story, but Carl Malone. Uh, 13 year old girl, do yourself well, a favor. And, Google and that the child that becomes, he becomes an NFL player. Wild. Well, not just that. I mean, he yeah. also has some interesting takes on uh, homosexuality <laughs> and other, and other areas of the world, which it's very old well, school. Again, look at those Utah crowds. Look at that Utah team. <laughs> Somehow they were really stoked on Carl Malone. <laughs> <laughs> I, like that, that, uh, there's a lot of weird shit with the the NBA back. He's then. one of the good ones, according to the Utah Jazz fans. All right, let's get to it. Let's uh, let's start ripping through these Madden Mayhem picks. Kramer, get us the lines. So of course we are looking at the Elite Eight. We are talking about a situation where it's no longer about your seating. We're outside of the division, so these are all division champs. Point differential is the indicator. First game up Thursday, this Thursday, May 21st, 8 p.m. on the East Coast, 5 p.m. on the West Coast. The Kansas City Chiefs, they're at home. They have the point differential. I didn't actually write it down, Sean. I apologize. It's fine. They're hosting the Bills, where they will be an eight point favorite, minus 450 on the money line, plus 250 for the Bills. 48 and a half is the total. One other thing to note here the futures, uh, Sean, Chiefs plus 200 only massive favorite. Uh, the bills still 10 to one and all along the way, Sean, I feel like we've pointed out that this team has had value. They have the formula, right? They have good skill positions. They play good defense and they have the quarterback that's willing to run almost to a fault. They've they've kind of had to work some miracles. I know in both you have games. them in the super bowl. So I, I, I understand won, what you're doing to us. They won a game without <laughs> scoring an offensive touchdown. They should have lost both games. Probably truly mayhem. <laughs> Kramer, we'll give you. Uh, I'll give you first pick on this one. Which way are you going? I mean, I, I'm, I, I've got to take. I've got. I mean, I almost <laughs> want to sit, sit at the bargaining. I'll take the Bills. Yeah. I mean, uh, you All can. Right. You can I, have I'm the fine, next. I'm fine with the Chiefs minus eight. Uh, the Chiefs defense actually played pretty good against the Raiders. Uh, they played bad the first game. They showed up against the Raiders. Maybe that's more just about how I was about to say how bad Derek Carr is. But I'll, I'll take the Chiefs minus like, eight. This Buffalo Bills team has been getting by the skin of their teeth. So I think they're due for some regression and they're going to fall apart. Chiefs roll. I think Bud Foster would tell you any, def <laughs> any defense will look good. If your quarterback's missing your, what your, your target but, by 10 yards, but isn't that the other side of the coin? They haven't really played their best game and they've won. No, granted they haven't really, I mean, they play the dolphins and the jets. So we will see a slight uptick in competition. <laughs> But the Raiders aren't exactly. Uh, a good I'll take team. the eight. I'll take the eight points. I, I think. That's of course, play, you're right? going to take the eight points. But I have the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, so. But I was going to say, I'll, I'll go. I, I think either way you slice it, the team coming out of this game to me is the team I'm looking to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. Really, it's a bold claim, Kramer. Well, I mean, there's only two. There's <laughs> only two AFC games left. But yeah, I, I, I do, and I, I, I would go as far. I, I, I wish I had. Um, like uh, yards against, but I, if I had to guess, the Bills' passing defense is the strength. I feel like we saw them struggle a little bit with uh, the running attack of Miami. So we'll we'll see what happens. But yeah, I think the Bills shocked the world here, Sean. No one circles the wagons quite like them, uh, or so I've been told. Man, man, that'd be great. We need to get Chris Berman to do a highlight. To, to, what, what would it cost to get him to do a highlight package? I don't know. Is he on cameo? <laughs> I feel like he probably is. 
the nightcap Thursday, May 21st, 10 PM on the East coast, 7 PM on the West coast, the Chicago bears head to new Orleans to take on the saints where the saints are minus six minus three twenty five on the money line bears plus 200 47 and a half is the total. The bears have kind of been slowly gaining respect on the back of that defense. Of course, Khalil Mack absolutely shredding last game with a pick six, multiple sacks tackles for a loss, but the saints have just kind of done their thing. Uh, if you look at the futures, the saints and the chiefs odds on favorites to be representing their conferences at plus 200 for the chiefs and plus 240 for the saints. Not going to happen bears for the same reason that the bills, a bit of value, perhaps some value here with the bears as well. Although if you're looking at the bears plus 800, you're almost better just with a mechanical parlay uh, taking the plus 200 here who, as who, they have three games left. Who's the best player in the game? Mitch Vick, Mitch Vick. And if yeah. you're fading Mitch Vick when they have Khalil Mack and 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 all those other great defenders. Fuller had a pick six. They're they're great yeah. at, at getting turnovers. I'm taking the Bears plus six. Give me them all day. <laughs> if they end up losing, I still think it's a close game. But they went into Green Bay and and took yeah. down the Packers, and that wasn't even close. Yeah. So I, I think this this Bears team is perfect for Madden. So give me give me Chicago plus six. And yeah. candidly, fortunately for the Saints, they got to take on the worst team in Madden in the Carolina Panthers because that's all that got them <laughs> over the point differential edge. Uh, it's a different game if this is outside yeah, in yeah. Chicago. Um, moving on to Friday, Sean, the second half, kind of the more interesting half to me of the Elite Eight. Friday, 8 p.m. on the East Coast, 5 p.m. on the West Coast. Of course, the Washington Redskins eked out the home field as the four seed, uh, taking what I mean. Seattle had a plus 24, if I'm not mistaken. So Washington was really, yeah, they had to score there at the end of that game. I think they got the turnover and the points. Redskins nine and a half point home dogs. That's a huge number. 300 on the money line for the Redskins. Seahawks minus 550. 46 is the total. Do I get a little bit of love for still having my championship game intact? When <laughs> certainly I certainly way way ahead of me. Uh, I, I'm still good. You're still good too. I have uh, Seahawks Chiefs. So we're in a similar boat. Yeah, Colby and uh, Sean. Do you want to take this? Do you want to take? No, this? this is all you, Kramer. You want me There's to take one team yeah. that's the most Make complete team so far in Madden Mayhem. It's, 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 you know, Mitch Vick's been the best player, but who's been the most complete team we've seen? The Red Sox or the Red Sox, the, the, Red Red, Sox. the Redskins. Uh, it, it, this has to come to an end, <laughs> and I think it comes to an end in a big way. Give me, give me Seattle laying Ooh. the big points. Love, love the skins at <laughs> home. The home dog. Nobody believes Col in that. I'm Colby, on the Redskins. Oh, you're on the Redskins. I'm on the Redskins with that. Look, I, I have the Chiefs or the Chiefs. I have the Seahawks winning, but the Redskins. There's too many points for a team that looks that 20 complete. Twenty to one. The run game's been good. Haskins, Haskins has been good. The defense has been playing. And I came up with the nickname, the Gandy Man. Come on, yeah. <laughs> you know I'm on the Skins here. The Gandy Man can at a liberty. Yeah, I mean, good luck. I guess I think Russ. We finally see the best of Russ, and maybe this uh, this. Re I don't know. This Redskins team has been playing a out of their mind. Redskins fan too. So who Russ was? Yeah, interesting. Danger Russ. Revenge spot. Friday the nightcap. The last game. Cleveland has been involved in some last games. Friday, the twenty second, ten p.m. on the East Coast, seven p.m. on the West Coast. The Colts. Philip Rivers and his uh, his illegitimate new children in Indianapolis head to Cleveland to take on the Browns. Browns minus three, minus one sixty on the money line. Colts plus one twenty. 
49 and a half is the total. I, I mean, Sean, unfortunately you have the pick here. Oh. I, I'm certain I'm going to be stuck with the Browns. Uh, I do think they have a good squad, but this, this, uh, this Colts team is electric. I have them winning my sweet 1600 bracket. And you know the odds are finally starting to to change a little bit. Still eight to one though, Sean. And yeah, I think if you're Colts, looking at a future where it yep. makes a little bit more sense to maybe not go me- mechanical parlay and just take the future, I mean, there's a version of this where, and I'll I'll look at the point differential while you're talking. But I think there's a version of this where if the Colts win and the Bills win, the Colts could be at home. Yeah. In the conference, in the AFC championship, I, I like this Colts team a lot. Well-rounded team, good offensive line. Rivers seems to be playing well. Well-coached squad. Cleveland, they played well, but I, I still think they have some holes. And uh, Indy getting three points. I'm all, I'm on the Colts all day. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding you, Sean. I'm it, gonna back up. The, the Colts are on this man. I mean, look, yeah, the, getting points. Yeah. Rivers looks like they're like the best player. Since uh, besides Mitch Vick in this game, and uh, you know that offensive line has been dominating. The they've looked great both games. Yeah, and I think Darius yeah. Leonard can really rattle Baker Mayfield, and and I I don't think Odell Beckham Jr. is going to have a huge game like he if did. If you last. can stop Minshew Mania, you can take down the dog pound. <laughs> all right. <laughs> and don't look now. If you want to talk about a future that is kind of sneaky, sneaky. Uh, the only team that can really catch the the Kansas City Chiefs in terms of home field in the AFC is the Cleveland Browns. Oh, so again, if if they win in convincing fashion, that future of eight to one for them is very mm. realistic. Because mm. remember, they they have a plus twenty two right now on the point differential. So they could, in theory, catch the Chiefs, and they would they would certainly obviously pass the Bills uh, on the NFC uh, side, Sean. Yes, I think uh, Seattle at five to one, when they basically have a buy in the next <laughs> round, walking into the semifinals. Five to one's not bad. I, I'm still, I'm still going Colts at eight hundred. I gave it out at plus one thousand. I still think at eight hundred, it's it's still a really good price. Kramer, do you want to give out our uh, our Super Bowl champ AFC NFC? I'm well, gonna do well, it. Last thing I was gonna say was just that if Seattle wins, and for whatever reason. The New Orleans Saints don't win. We're going to be probably looking at a conference championship in Seattle. So, from an odds perspective, that could be some value there. Who's your Who's your pick? I'll go. Uh, I've Colts and mm. Seattle. Even though I took Skins plus nine and a half, the number is too big. But I think I wouldn't be surprised. Seattle moves on. Give me Colts in Seattle, and the Colts pull it out as eight to one dogs, <laughs> winning Madden Mayhem. Colby. Adjusted Super Bowl championship. I'm sticking to what I did initially because I'm that much of a prophet. Um, <laughs> uh, look, uh, I, I got the I got the Seahawks beating the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. So I kind of want to stick to the same thing where I was before, and that that's I'm with Colby. I'm going with my original pick. So you're a prophet too, right? Well, I'm a, I'm the kind of prophet who who has big old balls because <laughs> I didn't take the Kansas City Chiefs. I went straight. Give me Seattle. Give me Buffalo. And our boy, the the author, the the, the man who's who's building all those awesome uh, bracket viewers, Tyler. He he put together some numbers, Sean, for what people have left in Madden Mayhem. And if you look at the thirty-two team contest, only forty people have the Bills in the final four. Only forty. Damn. So. Uh, I am special. Let more people have the Browns than the Bills. 
That's crazy. But the most impressive thing is I saw two people pick the Redskins to win it all. Wow. So <laughs> well, if they kudos win it, to them. <laughs> yeah, they're getting a big chunk of that yeah. ten thousand uh, my bookie credit prize pool. <laughs> That's a ballsy play. The breakdown though: Chiefs, thirty percent of the pool have the Chiefs winning. Next, Saints, seventeen percent. After that, Ravens at sixteen point nine percent. Uh, but it, of the teams remaining, after the seventeen percent of the people that are on the Saints, it goes down to two percent on Seattle. So, uh, definitely a long shot. My bracket is a long shot, and it might just come true. My pick: Seattle over Buffalo, <laughs> twenty-nine twenty-six. Yeah, that's almost as that was a bourbon score. Buffalo even throwing out the score. Yeah. Kramer. Well, I'm not. I'm not a little bitch like you guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I have Colts beating. Who did I say? Seattle 28 to 21. So look for that eight, one square, try to get that. And of course, sign up for the squares sports gambling podcast.com slash squares. We're giving away another $500. This is cash, cold, hard PayPal cash. And all you got to do is give a five-star review sports gambling podcast.com slash squares for all the info there. Of course, uh, get in your bad mayhem picks. My promo code SGP. Play when it get paid, kicking things off again. Elite eight to the championship game Thursday, 8 p.m. on the East, 5 o'clock Pacific. Thank you for participating in the Sports Gambling Podcast. And for the Sports Gambling Podcast, I'm Sean Stegging the Money Green, and he is Ryan. Proud to be an honorary member of the LPD. Kramer, let it ride. It's finally spring, and I'm saying goodbye snow, hello adventure. And during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event, you can get epic deals on your favorite Honda model. Ready to get rugged? Then take the off-road in an all-wheel drive Honda SUV, like the CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, or redesigned Ridgeline. Want to take a spring road trip? Then check out a fuel-efficient turbocharged Civic or Accord. Say goodbye to winter and hello to a new Honda. Don't miss huge savings during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event. Now at your local Honda dealer.